Welcome to NephHacks, high-yield nephrology at your fingertips. This is your host, Andrew Kowalski. I'm the founder of NephHacks, and I'm also a practicing nephrologist. Please visit us at www.nephhacks.com. That's N-E-P-H-H-A-C-K-S dot com. Also, join us on our Facebook group where I'll be posting updates on our podcast as well as general updates in the field of nephrology. Let's get ready to make nephrology fun again. So, I know that I talked about countercurrent mechanism briefly in the past uh, in the past podcast. So, what I wanted to do is I wanted to briefly go over it. So, at the same time, I'm also doing a video recording of this, and it's going to be put on the website. So, when we're talking about countercurrent mechanism, um, you're going to have to forgive my crude drawing. So, what we have here is there's your glom, all right? It's beautiful. There's your afferent. There's your efferent. Okay, and then what we have here is we have our proximal tubule, we have the loop of Henle, we have your distal tubule, and your collecting duct, right? So proximal tubule, distal tubule, collecting duct, and this is going to be the loop of Henle, okay? In reality, it doesn't really look like this, okay? So we have the glomerulus here, we have the proximal tubule, we have the loop of Henle, then we have the distal tubule, and then we have the collecting duct. Okay, and what happens is this section of the distal tubule comes into contact with, that's this section, with this portion of the glomerulus, right? So right between the efferent and afferent arterial. And what is this? This is your macula densa and this is your JG apparatus. So this whole combination is what you have where the macula densa sends direct signals to the JG apparatus based on flow as well as chloride concentration, okay? So, trying to get this in the image. So, flow and chloride concentration. So, based on what the macula densa is sensing, you're gonna have either dilatation or constriction of the afferent arterial, right? You also have the myogenic reflex, and then you have the catecholamines, okay? So what we're talking about is we're talking about specifically the loop of Henle. So what do we have here is if I would draw a line, right? This is your cortex and this is your medulla, okay? And this is your cortical medullary junction right here. So you're going to have loops of Henle that go all the way down deep into the medulla and then you're going to have some that don't, okay? So follow me here because when we have the the concentration gradient, we have the loop of Henle. This is where a lot of nephrology gets confusing. This is also where a lot of nephrology gets really cool. Because if you can wrap your head around how this process works, then there's a huge bund there's a huge selection of topics that should come relatively easy and what could end up happening and what I hope ends up happening is that all the algorithms that are in nephrology, you're going to completely throw away to the wayside. Algorithms don't work. This is one of my mantras. You're probably going to see one patient in six months that is going to fit exactly the way the algorithm and the textbook says it. Other than that, it's never going to happen. Algorithms are great to learn for the test because that's where questions are based off of. They're great to set you up on a path to success but you have to understand the physiology to actually help with the disease process and help the patient. Without understanding the physiology, 
the algorithm's not even going to help you, one. And two, the algorithm's just going to hinder you because you're going to follow the algorithm steps and then you're going to get stuck. And what ends up happening is you're going to start messing things up. You're going to start confusing different concepts. And that is not the way to go about it. So algorithms don't work. Understand the physiology. And the biggest component is this loop of Henley. So depending on which textbook you read, you're going to see that the loop of Henley starts off as, so this is your concentration. Pardon my really terrible handwriting, but as doctors, we have really bad handwriting. So the concentration gradient works its way down. Okay. What's interesting is that when you get to this part of the loop of Henle, and what I'm talking about is the ascending limb, right? You can take the loop of Henle and you can divide it in half going straight down to the hairpin, right? So I'm going to try to explain this as much as I can for the podcast. Um, but please visit the video. The video is going to be on the uh, NefHacks website. So please check it out. So what we have here is we have this loop of Henley, we cut it in half, and then we have the concentration gradient. So as you're looking at the loop of Henley on the drawing, you have the left side and then you have the right side. As you're going down the concentration gradient, your osms are going to increase. So what ends up happening is you have a osmolality of about like 120 to 250, give or take, right at the cortical medullary junction. And as you progress downward, your concentration gradient is going to increase by a factor of 10. So roughly you're about 1200. All right. So you can concentrate your urine going all the way down the loop of Henley at maximum. You're going to hit 1200 osms per kg. Okay. And that's what you're going to put out or per, or per liter, depending how you look at it. So how does this work? Well, if we take the 120, 250, doesn't matter, and we go down, then the next step we're going to have is 300, then we're going to have 500, then we're going to have 700, 800, and you get the picture, right? The concentration gradient goes down, okay? Sorry, that's my cat. So what ends up happening is you have filtration happening in the glomerulus, right? Depending if it's, um, depending how the afferent arterial dilates or contracts, depending how the efferent arterial dilates or contracts, you're going to have a hopeful steady state of uh, filtration. So this filtration is going to head to the proximal tubule. In the proximal tubule, you're going to have roughly about 60 to 70% reabsorption of solute. And then that includes water, right? So whatever's left is going to go down the loop of Henle. Now, the left side of the loop of Henle, and this is your right side, let me just shift this up a little bit. So the left side is water only. And the right side is solute only. So what ends up happening is as you're coming down, water is being pulled out of the loop of Henle according to the concentration gradient. So since you have the most amount of fluid in the proximal portion of the concentration gradient, as you're moving down, more fluid is going to be pulled out. So you're going to require a higher concentration in the medulla to get more of that fluid out because you're fighting the fluid that's in the tubule versus the fluid that, versus the solute concentration that's in the interstitium. So as you're pulling fluid out, the, the contents inside the tubular is going to become hyperconcentrated. So you're going to need a higher gradient to pull that out. But as that's happening, you know, this 250 might go down to 150. This 300 might go down to 200, right? 
And then this 500 might go down to, let's say, 350. I'm just making the numbers up, right? Because you're pulling out water as you're going down. 700 goes to 600, right? 800 goes to 700. You're getting my drift, right? So water's coming down. You're pulling out water. You're pulling out um, you're concentrating the solute inside the loop of Henle. So now as you're coming down, the medulla is becoming more dilute as water is being pulled. But what happens is as you loop the corner and you head back up into the ascending limb of Henle, the ascending limb water stops. And this is only solute. So what happens is you have a key set of receptors, and this is your sodium, potassium, two chloride is probably being the most popular. You have a little bit of overlap between the distal convoluted tubule and the ascending uh, limb. So you're going to have a little bit of sodium chloride. You're going to have a little bit of sodium chloride here. And then you're going to have a little bit of sodium potassium two chloride. So you're going to have a little bit of overlap. And then once you get to the distal convoluted tubule, it's going to be pure sodium chloride co-transporter. That's a minus sign. Okay. So there's your co-transporter. So now as you're looping around the loop of Henle, water stops being pulled. And only solute now is being pulled. So now as solute is being pulled, well, you have a very high concentration of solute at this point because you pulled out all that fluid, right? And then your concentration gradient dips a little bit. Then it dips a little bit by the time you get up here. But the nice thing is what happens, you're now reestablishing that gradient. So now over here, this 600 goes to 700. This 350 goes to 500. This 200 goes to 300, right? You're increasing this gradient, and then you're back to it again. So then you're ready for the next bit of fluid. Because remember, the entire nephron is basically a big circle. As fluid moves in, you're going to have more fluid move in, more fluid move in. So as the process is happening, going up and around before you exit out, you're going to have continuous fluid in. So as fluid's coming down, you're pulling, 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 dilute, dilute, dilute. All of a sudden, as more fluid starts trekking down, now you're reestablishing, 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 and there's your counter current mechanism. So what ends up happening is if you have X you know, sample of fluid, by the time you get to here, the concentration gradient is reestablished right and then you're ready to come to the distal convoluted tubule which is the diluting segment right so what happens here is you get sodium chloride it's actually a chloride channel sodium is the innocent bystander gets pulled up right into the into the interstitium right through the cells through the uh, sodium chloride co-transporter and what ends up happening is by doing that you're removing solute you're getting some water pull you're messing with the uh calcium transport as well and you're getting a more dilute urine because you're pulling more sodium chloride and then that enters into the collecting duct where we have a whole set of mechanisms that happen there so this is really cool now what's interesting what tends to be forgotten is um let's give you an example so we have a patient that is hyponatremic because this is going to come up in the hyponatremia lecture and in the hyponatremic patient what do we have the typical story is you have some 80 year old female right could be male doesn't matter who is on a thiazide right and po intake is poor and what happens hypo 
natremia, right? This is the key. You know, we always have this, right? And why is that? It's because of the way that the distal convoluted tubule works in relation to the loop of Henle. You will not see, all right, and you don't talk in absolutes in nephrology, but for, you know, for this purpose, you will not see. But in reality, in the extreme sense, you could see it where loop diuretics can cause hyponatremia. It does not happen regularly. Diazides regularly can cause hyponatremia, and it's not hard to do so. The reason being is you have somebody who is filtering, right? So they're filtering X. X goes through the tubule. Now it's going to go down the loop of Henle. You're pulling fluid, and you're going to start diluting, right? You're going to start diluting out the medulla, right? This goes 900, let's say, right? You're just diluting it out. Now, when you start coming to this side, this is knocked out, right? Because you have the loop diuretic on board. So you're not pulling solute. This stops. So the concentration gradient is low, right? When you get to the distal convoluted tubule, what ends up happening? Distal convoluted tubule ends up pulling solute, right? And it ends up diluting out the urine more, right? But what ends up happening is here. So in the collecting duct, you have your aquaporins, right? This is where your ADH. ADH works on your aquaporins. So what ends up happening is as you volume deplete, which is what a loop diuretic does, as does hydrochlorothiazide, or I should say any thiazide, because I'm not a big fan of hydrochlorothiazide, and I'll tell you why in a second. But any diuretic is going to volume deplete, right? So now you dilute it out. You stopped reestablishing the gradient. You get to here. You pull out more solute. Now you have all this water. Aquaporins are present because you are volume depleted. And what ends up happening is you get water pull, right? But this stops at some point. Because of the concentration gradient and because of where these receptors are located in relation to the diluting segment, the urine composition of loop diuretics ends up being equivalent, so loops, to about half normal saline. So what that means is you're going to have 50 cc's of free water, and then you're going to have, or sorry, 50, 500. Then you're going to have 500 cc's of roughly normal saline. So yes, you're losing volume, but you're also losing free water. So this is going to help Right, So this is why loop diuretics are beneficial in folks that have hypervolemic hyponatremia. Now, it's more of a cosmetic issue there, but it does help eliminate some free water, which is why in um, heart failure patients, if you see hyponatremia, it's a poor prognostic indicator. And we'll get to the physiology behind that in a second. But loop diuretics help because you help eliminate the free water. Thiazides block solute. So now you diluted, you reconcentrated, right? You reestablish your gradient, you get to here, you block your solute. Now you have solute and you have um, you have solute and you have fluid in your tubule. Your volume depleted aquaporin channels are there. Okay? Well, what ends up happening? This gradient is reestablished because you didn't mess with it. So because this gradient is reestablished and you're blocking a mechanism after that, you're going to have a lot of pull because you have a high gradient. 
So with thiazides, when you're volume depleted, you're going to have a lot of fluid being pulled. Now the problem is also you're going to have this little old lady who's on a tea and toast diet, not taking any solutes, not really reestablishing or helping this out. Yes, this is going to drop a smidge, but in reality, the majority of it is still going to be relatively intact because that's not what this deals with. So you will have a lot of pull. You're going to reabsorb that fluid. End result is hyponatremia over the course of days. Right? That's what happens here. So this is the loop of Henle. This is the concentration gradient. You have filtration. You have pull. You have water permeability running down. Up, stops, solute to reestablish that gradient. And then you go into a diluting segment, and then you go into the collecting duct, where basically you have the finalization, right? You have a little bit of sodium and water being pulled. You have a little bit of potassium being excreted or reabsorbed in relation to uh, hydrogen excretion, or um, you have a little bit of bicarb exchange, depending if you're in the alpha or beta intercalated cells. But either or, this is the finite process. So this is your concentration, dilutional, finite. All right, and this is bulk. So hopefully this helps. I apologize for the insanely messy drawing, but this is, this is what helps me. So try to review this as much as possible. Try to understand that this is a constant flow. So as this is being diluted, the fluid that's in this section is already reestablishing to allow continued dilution unless you block certain segments, okay? If you have any questions, please feel free to contact NefHacks. I'll be more than happy to explain this further. Maybe we can end up doing some live event on Facebook, on our Facebook group, um, NefHacks on Facebook. But please send me messages. I'm really interested in hearing what everyone thinks, and I'm really interested in helping everyone understand nephrology. Because nephrology is fun. Nephrology can be easy. And once you understand the physiology, the art of medicine really comes to play. Because then you can start manipulating certain aspects of the nephron to get your end result, which is awesome. And we'll talk about this in way more detail when we talk about hyponatremia. Everyone have a good night. Again, please visit www.nephacks.com and drop me a message because I want to know what you guys are thinking. Take care.